0: Welcome to episode number five of the Librarian's Guide to Teaching podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Amanda. So on today's episode, we're gonna be talking about classroom management and some of the different tips that we've used or that we might try in the future or recommend. But before we get started with our topic, um, how are you doing? Anything exciting going on?
1: I'm doing great, yeah. um, It's week 11 in our 15-week semester, so things are um, winding up and also winding down at the same time. Um, I'm done with my um, in-class instruction for the semester, but I'm doing a lot of behind-the-scenes things right now. So I've previously talked about modules that are being created to be embedded into classes, so All of those projects are starting to come to a close, and they're really coming together. So um, I'm super excited about actually um, meeting with the faculty to share um, the final finished products.
0: What about you? Um, Well, you know, on a personal note, just prepping for Thanksgiving. It's always crazy how that sneaks up on us. Um, We're not having too many people over, thank goodness, but still planning the menu and making sure – We have everybody, um, What's everybody's bringing and stuff like that. And at the same time, trying to also just simplify my evenings and weekends. And, um, you know, mindfulness is a big thing in libraries right now. And I think I'm definitely trying to incorporate some of that this time of year. Um, But the good thing is at work, things are slowing down too. So I think I did my last scheduled class for the semester today. So for the rest of the semester it's going to be last minute classes or prepping for next semester's instruction and um we're going to be having a conversation about some of our standardized instruction and potentially updating that based on my experience as the newest instructional
1: librarian so that should be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're lucky. We're not hosting Thanksgiving this year. We're going to a family member's house so um, I just have to show up and bring a dish, so I'm excited for that.
0: Nice. What are you bringing?
1: I don't even know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure. I think I'm definitely going to do a dessert, and I um, I think I might do like a green green bean casserole. We made that a few years ago, and people seem to like it, so right. that's what we might do.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: So let's jump right into our topic today. Um, Classroom management can be a struggle for librarians who don't have an education degree or previous experience teaching, and it can be difficult to manage at the same time as the content. It can also be a challenge since we typically don't get to develop a rhythm or rapport with the students since we most often provide one-shots. Why we'll mostly be talking about tips that can be used in either in-person One-Shot or semester-long courses. But because all of our experience comes from One-Shots, there may be additional strategies suited for full credit courses that we may not address. So now we're going to go back and forth with some common classroom management uh, concerns and solutions. So one concern is getting and keeping them engaged, right? We've all kind of struggled with, with that before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, one, so one tip or solution is telling stories. Um, it would be much more interesting than a lecture. I love this idea. Um, I think we sort of do it um, when we can think of the story. Um, But I think we should be doing it way more because we should be drawing on our experiences from helping students when they come to the library. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think students would appreciate that story.
0: Yeah, I think I am good when I give examples of helping students with the same assignment and what maybe what topics they did. But sometimes I struggle with doing it when it's about my research struggles. Um, you know, not that I've never had research struggles, but sometimes I either feel like I can't remember them in the moment and, or I feel like I feel disingenuous sometimes when I feel like it's not going to relate to them or they're not going to relate to what I'm saying. So I don't want it to fall flat. And so I think I worry about trying it. So I think maybe I just need to see someone do it a couple of times (laughs) and that would make me feel a little more confident in doing it.
1: Yeah, I, um when I was back in school with getting my second master's degree, I found myself talking a lot about my research experiences as a student. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would draw from that a lot. And I would say, I'm a librarian. I do this for a living. And as a student, I am super frustrated with the research process. And I think that really engaged the students. Um, And like you said, um, sometimes I just don't think of those examples in the moment. Um, And it's, You know, it's it's so I think it's such a great tool to use storytelling, um, but I just I don't always remember it.
0: Yeah, I think I need to do a little more reflection on I mean, because I haven't been in school since like 2011. So I just think I need to do some reflection and tap into those experiences of what it was like or even doing the research that I have to do to prep for classes. Um, you know, I don't have to tell them that that's what it was for. I could tell them it was for when I was in school um, to make it a little more relatable. So I think that's one of the next things on my to-do list is thinking about ways to be a little bit more of a storyteller.
1: Yeah. So another solution is if it fits with your session, start your session with a pre-knowledge cahoots. It creates an engaging atmosphere in the room that can make students open up later. Have you ever done that before? I have. I've done poll everywhere,
0: uh, which I guess is kind of similar because one thing I struggled with with trying to do a Kahoot was it's a quiz. So there has to be a kind of a correct answer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with the theories and concepts that we're trying to teach, you know, I'm trying to be more framework based. It can be a little difficult to just be cut and dry with a correct answer. I'm trying to really get their pre-existing knowledge about how they research not necessarily about what the right and wrong answer is um, but i think it could fit in certain situations
1: yeah i i think so um, i think it also helps you manage the room in a, uh, besides engagement it it allows you to know what level to teach at um, yeah some, depending on how you ask your questions right uh, another solution would be to ask them to do the work um in the demo so For example, you could say, I have these search results, now what do we do?
0: Yeah, I actually did that today. And I kind of, they weren't as responsive as I was hoping, but, um, you know, it's different with every group. The dynamic is different every time. But um, it has worked pretty well in the past. Some some of them will say, well, I'm going to read the title. Some of them will say, you know, I'm going to pick on the third one because it's the New York Times. And then we have a discussion about why they feel like that's the best one to pick. So. Sometimes asking them to do the work and walk me through everything is helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You actually found this really great tweet about what one librarian is doing. Do you want to share that?
0: Yeah, so um, her name is Laura Woods on Twitter, and she was inspired to do a choose-your-own-adventure. So I don't think this would necessarily work in a class where uh, you're teaching to an assignment but she was more just asked to come in and do a library demonstration. So she prepared five 15 minute sets of content on different topics like advanced searching, planning a literature review, evaluating your sources, et cetera. And she let the students pick two of those to go over and she provided them resources like tutorials or uh, references on how to do the rest of them. And she said they were so engaged because they got to pick what they were learning and either way no matter what they picked it would be applicable to their work so I thought that was kind of cool because you're you're giving them an option and I kind of tried to do this the other day in a tiny way um, because I do a, a demo of two things in this one class I do a demo of searching Google for news and then a demo of our library website so together the whole demo is probably like 15 minutes And then at the end, they workshop it and do their own searching. But after the first Google session, I said, so do you want to stop now and search Google? Or do you want me to continue and search both on your own? And they said that they wanted me to go through the whole demo and then just do one big chunk of searching. So it was a little bit of giving them autonomy. And uh, so I think they just appreciated being able to pick.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. Um, Many, many moons ago, I did a... A choose your a, like a true choose your own PowerPoint um, demo where um, I had the eye clickers and everything, and I would give them scenarios, and I would say, "Eric is searching for such and such topic. Um, where should he start?" And then all the students would vote, and oh. then based on the popu- the most popular vote, we would go. So some of them would say Google, and so then we were like, "Okay, Eric's search results." has a million results, what should he do now? And then they would vote and then that's the direction we would go. And oh was, my gosh. <laughs> PowerPoint was hyperlinked. So it was exciting. Um it was a lot of work to maintain the PowerPoint, but it was fun because I think the students, you know, they were in control. It wasn't right. it was very scenario based. They were in control. I mean now technology makes it a lot easier to do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it was like 2009. So right it danced for its time and it was engaging. Yeah, that's cool.
0: I might steal that idea.
1: <laughs> I still even have the template, so right, have at it. <laughs> um, so moving on to a few other examples, um, building relationships. So in our previous episode, um, Renal, Ramel Espinel had a suggestion to ask the students to share their names uh, before they speak to personalize. The exchange. Um, that's something I've never done in the class before. I mean, like sometimes I'll ask for a name, but I've never done it for everyone in the class.
0: I finally started doing that the past couple of weeks since our episode with him. And uh, some students are just, you know, they just answer the question as if I didn't ask. And um, sometimes I get a smile and they're like, oh, yeah, my name is Jen. And they, they, they seem to like it. I actually do like referring back to them when they answer again. Um, even today I did it and a girl responded a couple of times. And when I referred back to what she said, I said, okay, i remember when Christina said, and it does feel so much more personal. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really interesting how it changes the environment. So I would encourage everybody to do that. It's a small change and it did take me a couple of times to remember to ask them first when I pointed to them, but it's cool. I like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've done it, um, when a student has been very, um, very participatory in the class, mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. say, oh, what was your name? And I'll say, yeah. Thank you so much, John, for participating. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah. Like that. But um, I like the idea of the name thing. I will definitely have to try it next semester. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the last one that we have here is, um, you know, start out the session by saying, at the end of this session, you will come away with this skill and this information. So that they see the relevance of uh, paying attention. Right. I've done this before. Um, I I get mixed things. You know, sometimes, you know, once I say this is going to help you with your assignment, they pay attention. And then other times, not so much. You know, they're just like, okay, sure. You know?
0: Yeah, maybe other times I feel like I have to say during the session, which we'll get to later, just like, okay, this is that thing I was referring to. (laughs) And then they'll pop their heads up from their laptops.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I have a thing I used to do. So,
0: oh, cool. All right. So our second set of tips is about getting them to participate. So um, hopefully you have them Engaged at this point, but that doesn't always mean that they're going to answer your questions that you have So one thing that you can do is a think pair share activity or use an audience participation system like poll everywhere Um, So the think pair shares are always helpful because you're getting them to sit and reflect um, Can be really helpful for introverts who need a second to think and then if they share it with someone else They feel a little more confident in sharing with the rest of the class. Um, I know you've done these a lot, right?
1: Yes, I, I did a lot of think-pair-shares. Um, I think when it's a large group, it's, it's, it's a great way to get them engaged in uh, smaller groups.
0: Right, exactly. And I know Poll Everywhere just recently created an extension that integrates with PowerPoint, mm-hmm. and I started using it. So you actually just cre- – ha- you have your own tab in PowerPoint now, and you just click insert a slide, and it creates its own PowerPoint slide with the activity right in it. Wow. So a, it's super helpful.
1: I have a weird thing about not using Poll Everywhere. I feel mm. weird asking students to text. hmm You know what I mean? I, I feel weird having them use their text messaging. I mean, I know a lot of people these days, and I, you know what? I don't know, and I don't want to make assumptions, and I think that was my biggest thing that I, I didn't want to make an assumption that our students had unlimited text messaging. Right. Yeah. yeah that they could just text anything. So I, I think I've done it twice in the classroom and they've both been epic fails. Really? Well, now they
0: let students do it on the computer so they can go to a link instead of text.
1: Yeah, that's different. So that's, that's a different thing. But in the classroom, I, I rarely have the students use their phones.
0: For yeah, phones. that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, You can just ask them to show for a show of hands as opposed to doing a full verbal response because this at least gets them to answer your question and you can make comparisons between who had their hands up for each answer um, and it may warm them up to the idea of participating.
1: Do you find that you do that more or less in a nighttime class?
0: Um, I don't think the time of day has mattered. I think it's more the, yeah, the classroom dynamics of Mm -hmm. if they're just a non-participatory group.
1: Right. I've found that I've done that more in a night class where I'll do the Mm -hmm. hand um, things. So like, for example, I used to do, um, an exercise with, uh, Boolean operators where I'd make everyone stand up Mm -hmm. and I'd say, oh, if you're wearing jeans and you're female remain standing, blah, blah, blah. And I felt like when I did it in the night classes, they didn't necessarily want to participate by standing. Mm. So I got more of um, participation when they did raise of hands.
0: Right. That's interesting. Maybe they'd already been too tired from the day and they're like, please don't make me stand.
1: (laughs) I think that's exactly what it was. So um, I I saw that difference.
0: Right. Right. So our next one is uh, just calling on a student by asking them a direct question. Um, it can be scary, but sometimes you could hit on a student who really has a good point and, uh or you could tell them if they're not comfortable answering, they don't have to. So that's always an option, though, is to just pick on someone that's there, ask for their name, and ask what they think.
1: Yeah, I do this a lot when I see a student wants to participate, but is just afraid to, like – like the first person to like mm-hmm. about something so I'll say something like you look like you want to say something. Right. <laughs> and and sometimes they'll be like yes oh okay and they'll they'll talk.
0: That's true because then at least they they their peers see that they weren't the one to volunteer. Right, right. But they get to say what they had to say. Exactly. So the next one is to uh, set expectations that a question is coming and that It's okay for them to take a second to think. For example, you could say, in a minute, I'm going to ask a question. So what I want you to do first is to think quietly about your answer, and then I'll ask for a few volunteers to share their answer with the group. So uh, it just sets them up to know that questions are coming and that it's okay for them to sit and think for a second Uh, because I think they do automatically think that they need to shoot their hand up and just know the answer, Uh, but just letting them know it's okay to take a second. And the next one is also something we talked about with Ramel was getting comfortable with silence. And I have been practicing this one a lot and gotten a lot better about it.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at it. And then I start to try to be funny about it and insert, um, you know, Ferris Bueller's uh, day off reference in there and none of them get it. Mm. <laughs> and then I, I just move on because it's so awkward. Right. <laughs> All right. So before we move on to the next tip,
0: um, I have a kind of a question scenario and maybe we can talk about how we would handle it. So, cause I've had this recently, cause I've been using poll everywhere. So let's say you have 18 students in the class. They're working on an independent question that they have to answer and respond to the board and you can count. You can see that only 10 of them are responding. Do you wait for more students to respond and require everybody to answer or do you just move on? At what point do you move on?
1: I move on. Um, I usually, I've done this with eye uh, clickers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, I usually give people to to a minute to answer, and then say, "Okay, this is your last chance to participate." At the minute mark, we're moving on, and then right, I move on.
0: Yeah, or- that's true. I like giving them the time um, the time frame. I hadn't been doing the time frame thing. I was just kind of seeing how what the answers were turning out to be, and if I felt like I got enough to make my argument, I would kind of move on. Um, I think kind of giving them a countdown is good, too, because then at least they they might feel more encouraged if it feels competitive. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Next section.
1: Yeah. So I think this is something we can all relate to is um, engaging that distracted student um, and keeping everyone on task and focused. Um, the one thing is to read the room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I previously talked about a fail, um, where I knew, um, that I lost my audience and I was reading that room and Mm -hmm. there were so many different conversations going on. So I think it's important to read the room and then try and recover. Right. Um, another solution, potential solution is to walk around, um, the room and have some spatial awareness
0: yeah I need to get a, a clicker thing for my PowerPoint slides because I don't I still don't have one yet in my new job, so I think that tail it uh, chains me a little bit to the podium so uh, but when I'm when they're working on their own, I'm definitely floating around a lot more, but I need one of those clicker things
1: yeah, it definitely gives you a lot of freedom for sure yeah. um, another one that I've personally have never done is make a sweeping statement to put phones away. Mm -hmm. Have you done that before?
0: No, I haven't. Um, And especially now it's like when I go in, it's always a workshop based thing. So they all have their laptops out. And I feel like that does distract them a little bit. Like today I had a session like that and about, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the session, even though the beginning was very interactive with Poll Everywhere, you know, five minutes after the Poll Everywhere was over, we're doing a Google search together. And even though I'm asking them questions to participate, you know, 75% of their eyes are on their screens. And it was just difficult to try to get them back. And part of it was just the classroom dynamic and stuff like that. But um, but it can be difficult because you can't just tell them to put their laptops away because they're going to need them in five minutes or two minutes. So that's tough.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing is to collaborate with the faculty member in advance um, and ask them to assist uh, with the classroom management. Um, as you know, it does have an, an impact um, on the room environment. If they chime in and say, hey, guys, come on, let's pay attention or um, something on the lines of, oh, this is really important or this is interesting, I didn't even know this, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, I think that makes the difference. Yeah. And then another one, the last one is to make the note that this is a key point you will need to know, um, hopefully to snap people back to attention. And sometimes that just doesn't work.
0: Like I tried that today. still didn't work (laughs) because I was trying to show them how to use the citation function in the database. And, uh, You know, I was making jokes about citations and how annoying they are and this and that. And uh, that just fell flat, you know. And maybe we'll talk about humor in the future as a potential thing that could fall flat. But um, I tried the joke and then I said, you really are going to want to know this. And still eyes were stuck on their screens. So it doesn't always work. But
1: yeah, I used to do uh, an activity where um, I used to have them. I used to say to them, "Okay, everybody take out a piece of paper. And divide it into four quadrants. And I would tell them what to label each box. And it would be like databases, websites, search strategies, notes. Mm. And I would have them write notes down for every section. I said, You need to fill these boxes as we're going through the workshop because there's going to be a test at the end. Right. And and then I would also use that, um, you know, you should write this down in this box. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that worked. I mean, it didn't always work, but. They all took out a piece of paper because they had no idea why I was asking them to take out a piece of paper. So they just did it. Right. And it, it did help with their um, somewhat level of engagement.
0: Yeah. That's a good one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next section. So the next one
0: is one that I thankfully haven't had to deal with too much, but sometimes we do have to deal with difficult situations with students. So for example, if a student is openly disrespectful, um, you know, hope we hope that the faculty would step in that they're there. Um, But there are certain scenarios where maybe the faculty can't be there. We hope that they would be there most of the time. Um, And I think I've only had this once before and I was really just firm and respectful that they could choose to not pay attention if they'd like, but, that I was there to provide this information to all of the students and that they shouldn't take away from the other students' experiences. Um, Have you had to deal with that before?
1: Yes and no. So I've had chatty students um, before and I've learned that silence is the way to get them back Mm -hmm. uh, without having to be too super confrontational about it because I think, I think they remember those types of experiences and they remember Mm -hmm. that was that librarian that was rude to me in class, blah, 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 blah. I'm never going to come to her for help again. Yeah. Uh, So I I try not to do some of those, you know, calling people out about, you know, I mean, obviously, I've never really had to, but like, I found that just stop, stop talking um, and look at them. And they get the message because, you know, they're doing this extra thing. But they also realize something else is going on. And once they realize that that other thing isn't going on anymore, they stop talking.
0: So Right, and I guess it depends on what level of activity of disrespect we're talking about. Like, are they talking over you? Are they um, just on their laptop trying to show someone else something while you're trying to talk? Or, you know, did they raise their hand and say, this is useless?
1: I've never had that before.
0: Yeah, and thank God I haven't either. But <laughs> I guess that would be one End of a spectrum of disrespect would be openly, you know, saying something rude to you as the professor in the moment. So um, thank gosh, we haven't had to deal with that. But it is something that some librarians may have to deal with. So
1: yeah, I think if I was ever in that situation, I would flip it and be like, all right, um, if this is completely useless, let's do a sample search together and like mm-hmm. them out and say, all right, come on, let's do this. You know, show me what you know. Right. So, yeah. That's true. Get
0: them engaged in it.
1: Yep, Yeah. Uh,
0: another one could be sleeping students. And I've really changed my tune on this. I think in the beginning I saw it as not a, not a disrespect thing, but just as a, you know, this is your class time. Why would you want to be asleep during it? Um, and I think I've become a lot more empathetic about it. I think I've, also really done some reflection and kind of checked my own privilege a little bit and realized that, you know, when I went to school, I, I was always really self-motivated and loved being there and had a strong support system at home. I never went to school hungry. I didn't have to work through college. Like I wasn't tired but I know that now from getting to know and building relationships with our students that not everyone has that experience. And sometimes people just worked a full-time job and now they're coming to class and it's, I just really need to let them be where they are in that moment. Um, so yeah, I've really changed my tune on that and I, I probably wouldn't say anything and I've had it happen and I don't, I kind of just let students be and uh, I try to engage who can be there In the moment, Um, but make sure that that student has my information because I don't want to just leave them hanging. I do want to make sure that they get the help that they need, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of feel like I'm in the same boat as you. I've never addressed it. I've always just kind of let it lie. Um, You know, my originally when I was younger, my attitude was, well, if they want to pay attention, they will. Um, Clearly, this isn't important to them, but as I've matured, um, I've kind of taken that, um, empathy, um, perspective as well. Um, you know, I was, I was that college student working two full-time jobs mm-hmm. and, you know, taking 21 credits. So I can't even say to you that I wasn't one of those students that had fallen asleep in the class once, cause I'm sure I had. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think it's like, you have to like pick your moments and to, for mm-hmm. me student is not the time I'm going to take a stand on, on uh, you know making it sound like it's a disrespectful thing
0: right exactly.
1: Yeah. so another problem that um, a lot of librarians might face in the classroom is uh, technical difficulties, um, interruptions um, such as you know databases aren't working, your PowerPoint slides are not properly in order or not progressing the way you want them to um, or flat out the internet. Uh, So here are some uh, potential solutions. Um, Use humor. Um, You know, don't be too self-deprecating, but you could use humor to diffuse the situation.
0: Yeah, I had that happen a couple of weeks ago. We had a power outage and it came right back. The power came right back on, but the Wi-Fi went down and that took 15 minutes to come back up. So it was just Trying to laugh about it and be like, "Oh my gosh, can you believe this is happening?" and and all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always I always say this when technology isn't working. I said, um, "You know, technology's great when it works, right?" And yeah, that always gets a chuckle. Um, yeah. I have a, a funny story about technology failing. It's not even funny. It's actually it was awful. Um, <laughs> I had to go do an intro session one time in a computer lab, and. I never it never happened because the computer lab the teacher computer was um a Mac. And oh jeez. I did not I could not get it to work. The software, the iClicker software would not work on a Mac. And I was trying and trying and trying and I could I couldn't even get my PowerPoint loaded. Because of I I didn't know. I've never used a Mac before. I have no idea. So I just felt so awkward and so embarrassed, and um, it just it ended up not happening. I left the classroom um, without having to do the session, and I, I've never worked with that professor again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, complete, complete fail.
0: Yeah, exactly. But again, out of your control if nobody let you know. So
1: Yeah, yeah. So another potential solution is getting the students to talk during any downtime.
0: Yeah, so I could have done that with my internet disruption problem. Um, but I feel like I, in the moment, I couldn't think of anything fun to talk about. <laughs> it was a night class. I was exhausted. So I, maybe I need to have some, like, fun icebreaker questions ready for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting um, idea. I've never done that myself um, unless it was, like, tied to an activity. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that's, that's definitely something to uh, think about.
0: And maybe also, you know, being prepared with paper things. Um, Because if you're, let's say your poll everywhere doesn't work, and then you still want them to answer the questions, you know, a paper handout that they could write on that has the question could be a helpful backup.
1: Yeah, I'm so anti-paper. I know,
0: I usually am too.
1: But I think I agree with you. Um, If it was really important for you to collect that data, then yeah, paper is the way to go. But I'm just so anti-paper.
0: I know. I've changed everything into forms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So those were our um, five categories. Um, We hope you found some of those solutions helpful. Uh, We do have a few other ideas. um, Is, you know, some that I haven't tried and I don't think you've tried yet is um, playing music as we wait for the class to start. Um, and making quizzes a competition with candy prizes. Have you ever used the music before? No, I haven't. Uh, but I think it could be fun just to
0: give them, and it kind of gives them an introduction to you as a person. You know, if you pick a fun song, and then everybody's um, kind of like, "Wow, this is cool. I like how this is going to start." It's a, it's a good first impression.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting too. I've never done that either. Um, I've done the quizzes, a competition thing before, um, but I stopped and I don't know why, but mm. um, I, I did. So I used to do a lot of game show, like quizzes. Um, I did, um, Jeopardy, uh, where the quiz was in the shit in the form of Jeopardy. I also created my own called the hot seat challenge where it was two groups divided and they each picked one person from their group to be in the quote-unquote hot seat. Ooh. they would have to answer questions about the lesson. And then whoever could answer the question fast enough in the hot seat would win that point. Um, I also used to do, I don't know if you remember that, ga- that TV game show, One versus 100? No. Okay, so it's this game show where like, they used to be up against 100 people. And their goal was to eliminate those people um, by answering like pop culture questions. And, um, so I did that with with a quiz. And what I do is I'd have one student volunteer and then the rest of the class would respond using the audio response uh, systems. Mm. And the, 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 they would respond first and then the one person would respond. And then the people, um, who got the answer wrong were eliminated. And I kept track, and we would reduce it. And then, like, there was also fun things where, like, if they didn't know the answer, they could pull the audience. And, oh. so, like, I did a lot of game show, like, uh, quizzes. But, like I said, I kind of just stopped doing it after a while. I don't know mm-hmm. if I just felt, like, I just kind of fell out of love with it. But um, it, was, it was fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then another one was um, using pop culture examples.
0: I can never pick the right one. I always feel like the ones I pick are like outdated or it doesn't really work properly. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why that one has never worked for me. <laughs> but I see other people do it really well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not that great at I mean, I use a lot of current news to talk about topics. Yeah. Um, not necessarily pop culture. I guess the one that I've used the most is um, when we talk about copyright infringement and I use um, I used to use Vanilla Ice. Right. But so outdated. But now I use, um, oh, what's his name? The
0: Blurred Lines one.
1: Yes, I use the Blurred Lines song. I use that. Yeah. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only
0: one I use for pop culture was I had kind of a hook question. We were talking about, whether or not like how um, historians and music theorists in the future will look back on music of today. And so I use like Drake and Cardi B, Uh, but like it's not like any of them were like really super engaged just by the question, but I'm guessing it might have caused some of them to pay a little more attention, but I only did that lesson like twice. So, but I mean, maybe I'm not as bad as it is. I think. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. We had asked on Twitter if anybody had successful classroom management techniques. What did we have as our responses?
1: We actually got a tweet from the host of the Overthrowing Education podcast. Um, She said, one issue I had was calming my students down at the beginning of the class. So I read from a subject-related novel or told a continuing story for five minutes at the beginning of each class. She said they were calmer and more engaged the whole period. So to me, it sounds like it's probably middle school or high school um, that she's, her students are talking about, but I think that goes back to um, what we originally talked about was uh, storytelling and the importance of um, how a story um, can really engage someone rather right. than a demo.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, we're going to be moving into our Work Triumph, Work Fail segment. Um, I'm going to start with a fail. I am the honors librarian for um, one of our sections um, in White Plains, and I feel like I've failed them. Um, They just submitted their um, annotated bibliographies, and I feel like... I don't know. I feel like I failed them because none of them came to me for uh, support. Mm. None of them came to me and shared their rough drafts. Um, Even though I emailed them every week and told them, I'm going to be on your campus this day for the next three weeks. Please come see me. Um, Not a single one of them did. And I feel like I'm just failing as a personal librarian right now. (laughs) Oh, Uh, yeah, I just, I need, obviously, email is not their speed. So I've, I've got to try something. But it's hard because it's a night class. So it's not that easy for me to just pop into that class mm-hmm. and, and show my face.
0: Right. So but you have I- a work triumph to go along with that one,
1: at least? Um, no, not, not with, particularly with the honors. But I would say my, a triumph from this week was that I <clears throat> I had a professor follow up with me that I didn't think she was going to follow up with me. So a few weeks ago, I attended the uh, School of Professional Studies um, department meeting. And the one professor said, oh, I'm going to reach out to you. I really want to work with the library. And I, and I was excited. Um, and I didn't write down her name, so I couldn't follow up with her myself. But I was surprised she followed up with me and said, uh, I'd still like to collaborate with you, and on top of that, I threw it out there at the last minute and said, do you want an in-person um, module uh, or online or blended, and she agreed to blended. So this mm. is the first time that we're going to be creating um, a blended um, information literacy opportunity that's going to be standardized across multiple sections of a course.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of fun. What about you?
0: So um, yeah, my fail, it actually was multiple fails in a row uh, that I finally resolved, but it was technology. So like I said, I've been using this Poll Everywhere extension for PowerPoint, and, uh, but because I teach in different classrooms, and the extension needs to be installed on the computer for you to use it properly, I couldn't use my flash drives, and when I was logging in remotely to my office computer, it was zooming into the Poll Everywhere slides. So I could only see the top left quadrant of the slide and the activate button is all the way on the right side. So student, I couldn't get it to work. So um, it took me about three classes of trying it and having that problem until I started tweaking, like playing with it and figured out there was a button on the bottom of PowerPoint to optimize your experience. (laughs) And that's all it was. So that was a pain in the butt, but now that it works, it works fantastically. So I'm glad I figured that out, um, but for my work Triumph, we met with the writing center today. They have a new director, and so we have two citing workshops that we're going to do with them in the next month, and then we have a disinformation workshop planned for the spring, which is still kind of up in the air about what we're, exactly what we're going to do, but she's on board with all these different partnership ideas, so um, I'm really jazzed about that.
1: Well, that's great. That's great yeah so that wraps up our fifth episode uh here's where you can find us you can find jessica at librarygeek611 you can find me at historybuff820 and you can also find this podcast at librarian underscore guide we are also now available on itunes so be sure to find us there and subscribe to our podcast we're also available on a lot of other platforms uh, like Spotify and um, Outca- um, Outcast. I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, Google Google has their own, so we're also available on um, the Google platform as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, don't forget to send us an email at infolitteachingpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us to share your questions, ideas for potential discussions, or even your triumphs and fails in the classroom. And we can read them on an upcoming episode. Um, We want your feedback, your questions, and we encourage you to share your thoughts with us to be read on an upcoming episode.
1: All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.